0: Hello, I'm Tom Crocker, one of the ministers here, and uh, it, is, uh, it is a privilege to be a part of this, this church, a part of you, and always an honor to share. So um, we're going to take a break from Galatians today and um, look, at, uh, look at a little different um, uh, focus here. Barrett and I discussed maybe what we could uh, could do for today and what I might share with you. And obviously, this being the season of Thanksgiving, it it seemed like a, an appropriate time just to take a focus on that theme of being thankful. And uh, we've all taken a break to uh, hopefully been able to take a break and at least um, share in some time of reflection. Time of uh, expression of of gratefulness for for the blessings that we have, Um, but I want to I want to lead us to um, consider that um, God's grace doesn't just usher us to a season of gratitude or an expression of gratitude, but but God's grace ushers us into a life of gospel gratitude That's what I want to unpack this morning with you a little bit. And the main point, I'll just jump right into it. The main point for today is that we will live in gospel gratitude when we fully grasp God's gracious goodness to us through the gospel. And how he has always and continually uh, is transforming us by his presence. So to, to give some attention to that, I want to interestingly go to the Old Testament. Uh, and we'll take a passage from the New Testament in a little bit, but the Old Testament in the Psalms, there's a psalm there that just uh, kind of lifted out for me what I want to express. And it, it is the psalm that if you've been following along with the centered devotions, that was for Friday. Now, I'm not going to ask how many read that. But uh, I do hope you are following along in the app with the centered devotions because it gives us a chance to dwell in what we're learning from week to week and to go deeper into God's Word personally to apply that. So, Friday's uh, devotional reading, the scripture was Psalm 126. And it reports a time in the Old Testament of a dramatic day of God's grace poured out on. His people. It points to the time that Israel returned from Babylonian captivity. So let's read it Psalm 126. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the negative. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Have you ever either been in a situation or maybe observed a situation where it was pretty hopeless for what you wanted to attain or what you were seeing? Maybe a in the sports world, a football team or a basketball team that was kind of hopeless against the opponent. Or maybe at work, there was a project that you felt, man, this is hopeless, or a test, or something in school. You know, that I'm in a hopeless place, and I don't see how I can get to where I want to be. In a little more superficial way, I experienced that a little bit with our six-year-old grandson earlier this year or earlier in the fall, he uh, joined a team of flag football. So here we have a team of six-year-olds playing flag football. Now, whatever you can conjure up in your mind about what that might look like, that's exactly probably how it looks. (laughs) It's like cats out there herding around. I, I don't know. it. I'm, the first game we went to, we just kind of were in shock. <laughs> Not only were the six year olds playing football, my grandson, in his, I guess, lot in life in this season, joined the worst team. <laughs> there were six teams, and his team was the worst. I mean, it was hopeless. I mean, everybody looked forward to playing his team. What were they called? Well, they see it, the the Seahawks. Yeah, they all had the professional. Well, they they weren't anywhere close to being like the Seahawks. And uh, everybody looked forward to playing them. They went all year that way. And we just showed up, you know, to lend support however we could. Well, they went into the tournament. They were seated last, of course, to play one of the better teams. And I don't know what happened. Uh, Somehow they had a running back that I don't know where he was all year. But all of a sudden he got transformed. I mean, he could zig and zag and everybody was missing him. And he ran touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. and, And they were actually playing some pretty good football. And all of a sudden they were winning the games. In fact, they went all the way to the championship three games and won every one of them. The last game was 86 to 74. <laughs> you can imagine what but we just we just wore them out, I guess. I don't know. We we got the last one in. So, we went from a hopeless state to a celebration. Here's what that looked like. <laughs> I could just probably leave that up there for a while, but I won't. (laughs) Psalm 126 is a picture. It's a picture. It's a picture of a specific intervention by God in the life of Israel who was in a hopeless state that resulted in celebration and thanksgiving. There had been seven long Decades, seventy years of slavery, exile, defeat, humiliation, and devastation. They were taken from their homeland to by Babylon at that time, Nebuchadnezzar, and made captive in exile in Babylon. Now they weren't just. That wasn't just. That just wasn't an event of history that took place because one country or one nation, one one people had greater power than the Israelite people. The Bible is very clear. The Bible says that they did evil in the sight of the Lord. And for because, and in Second Kings twenty four eighteen for because of the anger of the Lord, it came to the point in Jerusalem and Judah that he cast them out from his presence. That's what's going on. It's not that they're just in, you, you can go to the next slide, <laughs> really for sure. It's not just that they are in another place. They are far from God because they did evil in his sight. That's the picture here. And all of a sudden, in Ezra 1.5, we read something that is amazing. Persia with Cyrus has overtaken the Babylonian empire. And in the first year, it says in Ezra 1.1, the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia. And he made a proclamation. He said, the Lord has told me that the people of God must go home. All of a sudden, In a moment, the hand of God brought them back to Jerusalem when they, for 70 years, had lived in exile. So the psalmist is remembering this. He's probably part of the journey. You know, the Psalms are a collection over the vast time of of Israel not just of David that we read so fondly of but here we have the psalm or a song that is composed by one who journeyed with them back to their home and in and in this psalm he says some some pretty significant things he says first of all it was like a dream come true It was like a dream come true. Our being restored to Zion. He says in the verses 2 and 3, our mouths were filled with laughter. They were delirious with joy. They were delirious with joy. Have you ever been in a setting where somebody says something just off the wall funny and then everybody starts laughing and then there's that you can't control yourself uh, that um, but that happens when our daughters get together along with my wife they'll, they'll be something that comes out and I mean they're just laughing and carrying on they're delirious <laughs> in a good way <laughs> that's what he's describing here we're delirious with joy. Their deep sorrows were t- turned to songs of joy. You see, they were no longer living in exile. They were no longer in bondage. They were in, a, they were in their home place. They were in a different place. They were now in God's place. That is the picture of the essence of the gospel in our lives. His deliverance of us from our hopelessness in sin by receiving in faith God's provision of Christ on the cross, we are in a different place now. Do you see that? We're in a different place. We are no longer in exile. We are no longer in bondage. When we get that, we will live in gospel gratitude. We will live in gospel gratitude. Now that involves recognition that his mercies are undeserved. And just as the psalmist, the first point I want to make is that gospel gratitude is a natural companion of faith. It comes along with it. It's baked in. It's part of it. It's a natural following of our faith in Christ. Gospel gratitude is a natural companion. There's not a better picture of this or an account of this than in the New Testament with Jesus um, going for his third and final journey to Jerusalem. Jerusalem if you want to turn with me to Luke 17 um, or or just follow it on the screen here Luke 17 reading verses 11 through 19 it's an encounter that Jesus has with ten lepers those who have been afflicted with the dreaded disease of leprosy so let me read Uh, starting with the 11th verse. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, go, show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. In this account or this encounter that Jesus had as he's approaching um, on his road to to Jerusalem, right in between Samaria and, and Galilee, there are 10 lepers huddled alongside of the road recognizing that Jesus was coming their way and they're crying out for mercy. Now, leprosy, there was all these regulations and obviously in a day and time when there was limited medical, medical resources, there was the um, quarantining, if you would, the, the um, moving them away from anybody else. They were were pronounced unclean. In fact, they had to announce that they were unclean to people so they would stay away from them. So that's the sight we see, a sight of hopelessness, a sight of of helplessness. But they see Jesus coming. And Jesus hears them calling out, hearing them ask for mercy. We, We find out later in... The encounter, that one of these was a the Samaritan, which is interesting because generally Samaritans and Jews, they just will not be together as we see in Bible times. There is this uh, animosity, this hatred between them, and yet here they are, both Jews and Samaritan together. Interesting that their common need transcended their differences. We need to remember that all of us find ourselves in common need for the gospel. We are all in a hopeless state without the gospel. Nobody in this room has one leg up on the other. We're all hopeless without the gospel. That's our common need. That's what brings us together. That's what causes us to call out to our Lord. In worship and in prayer because of that common need. So Jesus instructed the leopards to honor the law because in order to be able to get back into the flow of life, to go have work, to be with family, they had to be declared clean. Even if they were healed, they had to go get that, that approval of validation from the priest. And So Jesus says, go tell them you're clean. He pronounced it and and tell them to, um, uh, well, just to pronounce that you're clean and let them validate that. And on the way, they are healed. I think it's important to note that we got to keep in mind that his act of healing made it possible for the law to be fulfilled. It was his healing that made it possible for them to have confidence to go before the priest. Apparently, the Samaritan got that. Um, He starts back to Jesus once he realizes he's healed. All the lepers are healed, but once he realizes he's healed, he runs back to Jesus. I, I wish we could envision that. Just, And we probably can in some degree when, when, when there's a turnaround in somebody's life and there's a running back and realizing I've, I've just been healed. I've just been given a great gift. I've just been given that which I had no idea was even possible And he runs back to Jesus. The rest went on to the priest. He stopped and ran back to Jesus. Now, maybe he had a Samaritan priest. I don't know. Maybe he didn't. But he knew that the real priest was Jesus. And he ran all the way back to Jesus. Not only to express thanks, but to fall down and give homage to him. Of being the instrument of being cured. So the questions in verses 17 through 18, they're rhetorical when he says, We're not ten cleansed? It's like he's saying this, just thinking out loud. He's not really there's no indication he's pointing, he's not certainly asking the Samaritan, he's not he doesn't even seem to be asking the disciples, he's just talking thinking out loud. He's just saying, "We're not 10 cleansed. Where where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner?" So something happened. Something was significant that happened here. Yes, nine were cleansed, they were healed. But Jesus says to the Samaritan, your faith has made you well. The leper found found God, not just his healing. So often we can look to God for something that he can give to us but his good gifts are not about what he can do for us. They're about what he is to us. And he wants to give himself to us as we give ourselves to him. That's what happened with the Samaritan. And gratitude is the telling indicator whether we are seeking what we want to get from God or whether in our brokenness we have given ourselves to God. Gratitude is the indicator. We will be living in gospel gratitude when we have Him in our lives. Sometimes, and we can all be guilty of this, we, it, I don't know if it's entitlement I don't know if that's the right word. It's almost like the uh, Jews, the nine on the road, they were calling for Jesus' mercy, but almost like it was something due to them. Because once they got that, they they ran off. And I think we have to be careful here how, how we approach God in that, that we must never forget where we were we must never forget what we have been restored from and saved from it makes all the difference he has settled in our lives what we need and the only response to that can be gratitude can be gratitude and expressing that now I want to go back to and then finish up with looking at Psalm 126 again for two other points briefly, but I I don't want the brevity of that to take away from I think the meaning of it. Look at uh, Psalm 126 too. He says, "Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations." The Lord has done great things for them. As as wonderful as it was with the fellowship of God's people in the land that God had promised them and how they were released and and, and they were able to celebrate that, something even more significant happened. Other nations recognized it. Other nations took note, other nations began to celebrate this great release, this great restoration that was taking place. Their gratitude brought attention to God's restoration of their people. The expression of gospel gratitude is compelling to others. What is it that draws you to a person? Their words, their instructions, or their disposition and spirit of life and gratitude and joy? When people see that gratitude, when they recognize that gratitude, when they see that we're grateful for that which the Lord has done in our lives, it compels others to lean in. It's our, We must speak of God, but... Let us speak of God whom we celebrate and whom we are grateful for so that people are already drawn to him by our celebration and our gratitude. It opens the door for that. I think um, I think there's another thing that, that's significant to me here, maybe just because of recent experiences here at ICC. We've had two teams coming back from, from Global Missions, um, Ivory Coast and India. Uh, we've had some others be out in places like Germany, and we've had uh, in, in um, recently uh, Colombia and other places. What was the the, the more recent one before then? I'm, there's so many, I can't keep up. Serbia, yeah. What is interesting to me about all of that and any of that and my own experience of that is that we're not in any of that going to be the ones to declare the presence of God. We already discover God at work and present in their lives there. Yes, there's great need, and there's, great, there's a great many who need to hear of Christ, but there are those already experiencing and sharing in the gratitude of what God has done in their lives, and we get to go and be a part of that. We come back more encouraged than maybe we encourage Because we're participating with people who are celebrating and and, and are expressing the gratitude of of the gospel. The nations take note of the gospel because of gospel gratitude. And then the the third and final point I want to make is that gospel gratitude thrives from Christ continually transforming us by his presence. Look at uh, the fourth verse, uh, the the fourth through sixth verse of, uh, of Psalm 126. It's an interesting switch here. He's celebrating in the first three verses, expressing great thanksgiving. And then he takes a turn And he says, there's a prayer here. Lord, restore our fortunes. There's celebration for what God has done, but there's yearning for God to continue restoring because there are apparently still some hard times in that. Just because they got back to the land doesn't mean the land was restored. There's a time of hardship in the land. But their life in the land was still in process of restoration. And that's what he's pointing out here. Notice what he says. He, he, he compares the returning exiles to, to, to stream, like streams in the negative. That's, that's a um, region um, in, 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 in just in an arid region south of Beersheba. Where in the dry summer season, there are these riverbeds. They're as dry as can be. There's just no water. But in the springtime, when it's rainy season, they just flood over. And that's what he's envisioning here. He's saying there will be a day as we depend on the presence of God that he will deliver the great flood of joy. And he acknowledges that sorrow sown in difficulty will reap joy in prosperity. Do you see what he's doing? He's he's not questioning where God is. God has restored them. God has placed them in this new place where they never dreamed they would ever be. So the present hardship is not the end. It is indeed the stage for a joyful future. This is the picture of sanctification. This is the picture of that ongoing life in the gospel. Once we're declared righteous doesn't mean we're righteous. That's how God sees us, but Jesus is still doing a transformational work in us through the gospel as we live in him and that's where he's taking us so that we can know this glorious future. Psalm 126 was no doubt one of the worship songs of the Israelite people. In fact, I, I guess all the psalms were t- t either read or, or sung in worship. That's why it's a collection like it is. But this particular song this is this this is a huge song i don't know if they did a rap or what but it was you know <laughs> it it is a worship song and what they did with this is a picture of god's continuing work of restoration and transformation and it it was the way that they could kind of, in worship, remind one another of God's faithfulness, just like we did this morning. That that God is faithful, that He has delivered us, and that He continually abides with us and is transforming us. And when we come together to worship, we're celebrating that. We're encouraging one another in that. We're stirring, letting God stir us up to Him so we can embrace His presence and His promise. And we do that in community, in worship and in community. We come together and we encourage one another. We spur one another on, knowing that he has given to us his presence. And no matter what difficult time we are going through, no matter what challenge we are facing, no matter what failure we may have encountered, God is there and has our best interest in mind you see all we got to do is look at the cross and we know how jesus loves us that's already settled jesus loves us he has established for us relationship with god that's already been done we don't have to question does god love us All we need to do is just embrace from his love, where are you leading me, Lord? What are you showing me? What are you teaching me? How are you growing me? That's what this is a picture of. Gospel gratitude thrives from Christ continually transforming us by his presence. Um, Kerry Newoff, pastor and speaker and writer from Canada, has written a book. I didn't see that coming. It's a good book, but I, I, one of the things he talks about is how we can creep into cynicism along the way. How we can how we can become cynics because we we sort of get bitter about things. And he writes an excerpt in that, or there is an excerpt from that chapter where he's, he, he says, have you ever noticed there are very few balanced elderly people? That got my attention. <laughs> he, he goes on, he says, when you're in your 20s or 30s, you still have good days and bad days, ups and downs, but things tend to even out over the long haul. Are, are you there? You may be in one of those low places, but you may not feel like it, but you do. You, you kind of have the flexibility to do that. I don't know how medically or scientifically accurate this is, but Newhoff observes that this pattern seems to go away when people reach a certain age. He says what age that is, but I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> he says that most of the older people he knows have landed on one side or the other of the balance line. They have grown to be either happy and grateful or bitter and crotchety. It's like you reach an age when a magnet pulls you off the center line and lands you on the grateful side or the misery side of life. During the Thanksgiving break, we were having a pretty intense time of uh, about four or five grandboys over there, a lot of testoron- test whatever, whatever that is. <laughs> There was a lot of it in our house. And at one point, I got a little bit stressed. And uh, I, I, think, uh, I think I might have even snapped at one of them. And my granddaughter, who was there amongst us, one of, one of our granddaughters, came up to me later and said, Paul, are you okay? Okay. I said, yeah, why do you ask? She said, well, I just, I just looked at your face. And I've already told you guys that when you don't have hair, there's no way to hide anything. <laughs> so what I was feeling was magnified coming out. Do I have a witness? <laughs> and I, I looked at her, and I said, well, thanks for checking on me. Do me a favor. Don't let me get to be a grumpy old man. That's kind of the job of all of my grandkids. But you know the real answer. The real answer is the gospel. The real answer is the gospel. Whether you're 20, 60, whatever, anywhere in between, the gospel is the answer. Or as we embrace the gospel gospel gratitude will naturally follow as a companion and we'll land on that side of the balance line so my main point is also my prayer and invitation to you We will indeed live in gospel gratitude when we fully grasp God's gracious goodness to us through the gospel and how He is always and continually transforming us by His presence. I don't know where you are. Maybe in one of those ups or downs ups or downs I don't know if you even have that relationship with our Lord but you're here so there's something compelling you there's something that God's doing in your life and we we want to be a part of that in any way we can you may have questions you just may need us to pray for you we will have prayer counselors in the back I'll be up here And if you need somebody to pray with you about what it means to know this gospel to bring us from hopelessness to life and transformation. Or maybe you're going through one of those hard times and you just need someone to pray with you to be reminded that Christ indeed is still present and Christ indeed is still Seeking to encourage and love you to a joyful future. That's what I want to invite you to. Just as you are there, Robbie's going to come and we're going to have some time of reflection, the music. And this is one of those times of worship. Let this song Let this song stir your heart toward our loving Father and our Savior, Jesus Christ.